What's up, y'all? This is Tony Powell, and you're listening to Powell to the People, the podcast, episode 177. Once again, the finest cast in the whole podcasting universe has reconvened uh, to talk that stuff. When I want to know what's going on with the New York City transit scene, there's nobody I trust more than my cousin, my expert, Mr. Keith Powell. What's going on, Keith? Man, I'm good. How y'all guys feeling? And when I want to talk local TV news, there's nobody I trust more than my favorite director, my brother, Mr. Mark Powell, in the house. What's going on, Mark? What's up, fam? What's up, world? And when I want to talk local New York City real estate, there's nobody I trust more than the man I call Mr. Eddie Kane Jr. The world knows him as Derek Powell. I call him my cousin. What's going on, DP? Everything is good. Always good to be in the cipher with the cats. How y'all doing? We're well. Uh, you know, last week we didn't mention it, and I guess I guess we should mention it um, because we're already into the second week of February. It is Black History Month, and I've always had a, a thought about Black History Month that I, I don't think I've shared on this podcast, and I think I should share it. It is Black History Month, and I've always hated Black History Month. Now, let me let me say this for people who are shocked and, and, and whose mouths just dropped by what I said. I've always hated the idea of Black History Month because America's history does not exist without our history. So for us to get the shortest month of the year to tell the story of our people um, is really, really disrespectful. I understand why and the need to, to highlight and sometimes shout out your own bona fides. Uh, but but I always felt like if we're going to tell the story of America, then you have to tell the story of Black people. Black History Month is not Black History Month. It, black history is American history. And that's what people need to start recognizing, that there is no story of America without us. Without us, there is no U.S. us. So I just wanted to get that out of the way and shout it out. I'm so tired of seeing people uh, on, on these various networks, you know, talking about, you know, can I, can I, can we, I, I get it. I get Rosa Parks. Okay. I get it. I understand. But there's more to us than Rosa Parks, you know, refusing to, to get up on, on a bus in, in Montgomery. There's more to us than Martin Luther King. There's more to us than, than any other, you know, overused, at this point, cliched uh, historical black figure. There's more to us than Obama. There's more to us than Michelle Obama, both Obamas. So I just wanted to get that out of the way. I don't know how y'all feel about it, but I wanted to say. Maybe that's the only black people they know. Yeah, but that's my point, though. You know, again, because we, we, we relegated ourselves to this one month and and to, to, to trying to highlight and 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 celebrate this one month. And it, don't get me wrong, it needs to be celebrated. I'm just saying, let's stop celebrating it for a month. Let's make sure that it's part of our curriculum. Let's make sure that it's part. When you teach American history in high school, you can't you can't ignore us anymore. We have to be part of that history. You can't tell the story of this country without telling the story of us. That's it. And even though, and what you're seeing around the country and around and and, and a lot of red states. Is they're doing the exact opposite of that right now? They're they're efforting and they're working really, really hard to erase us from the story of us. Hey, uh, I'm not. You guys, Anthony and and and, uh, Keith and Derek, when we when you guys were in high school, did they have any kind of like you know, Anthony, my brother just said about that they don't have any history of us. We did in my high school. Do you guys have or remember in your high schools? 
No, I they didn't have it at Hamilton. Definitely not in my high school. Definitely not in mine either. No, not at no. all. Wow. They didn't want me to know nothing at Choke. So don't ask me. That. <laughs> you, don't, you, you, learned you learned something at Choke, man. It wasn't no black history, but you did learn something up there at Choke, man. You know, I learned how they how they've been violating us for four hundred years. Or, or how to roll a fatty. You know, you know what you learned up there. <laughs> That's when you saw them damn UFOs. You know what you learned up there. You always trying to downplay. I'm like, I'm not even going. I'm not even going to address that. Um, you know, uh, we do have. I just want to get that uh, uh, up front. And we'll, we'll we'll revisit it. And perhaps we'll re- revisit it in the next couple of minutes because uh, it's not often that we have guests on the show. Occasionally, we have guests on the show, and uh, this week I'm kind of excited. Last week I I, I uh, promoted the idea of inviting our cousin uh, Crystal Daniels to come to the show and talk about mental health. Now. People say, well, why? Why did you bring your cousin? My cousin is a mental health worker. She is a licensed therapist who deals in trauma. Uh, and she works in outpatient. Cl- out, you know what? Let me just introduce you. Crystal, come on the show. What's going on? Hey, guys. What's going on, everybody? Hey, Cuz. How you feel? Pretty good. Pretty good. So thank you, Anthony. Yeah, I work. Uh, actually, I'm a licensed mental health counselor, and I'm licensed to practice therapy in both the states of New York and New Jersey. And I've been doing individual therapy with both children, well, children, adolescents, and adults uh, since 2014. And I'm currently in my own private practice since 2020, February of 2020. So it's going on uh, about two, well, two years. We'll make two years of being in my own private practice. And yeah, like Anthony mentioned, I work with people who have been children, adolescents, and adults who experience trauma. And a lot of times I see, you know, individuals that come into my practice and who came into the clinic. I worked in an outpatient mental health clinic in the Bronx. Shout out to Visiting Nurse Service of New York uh, Friends Clinic, who not only experienced trauma, but they also experienced like thoughts of suicide. They've made a couple of suicidal attempts uh, and some suicidal ideation. So, yeah, I'm glad to be on the show. I'm glad to give as much um information as I possibly can. I don't consider myself to be much of an expert when it comes to suicidology, which is the study of suicide and suicidal behaviors. But a lot of what I'll be sharing with you all uh, will be about what some of my clients past and present have shared with me who've had you know, depression, suicidal ideations, and suicidal attempts. So thanks so much for having me on the show. I'm super excited to talk about this difficult topic. Yeah, you know, this this that was the primary driver. Last week we were talking about um you know, the the recent suicides of 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 Virginia King's uh son and and uh former Miss America uh Chesley uh oh gosh, uh Christ? Chesley Chesley Christ. Yeah, yeah. Chesley Chesley Christ who who in a very public way uh ended her life and and I was struck by it, and we talked about it on the podcast last week. I was struck by the idea of someone walking out of their apartment door down to the elevator to take the elevator up the stairs, you know, upstairs to to a higher spot in the building that she lived in, and just the I, I was trying to trying to process the, the the amount of despair that it would take for someone to watch. The floors, you know, bling as they go higher and higher, and then to walk off of that elevator and continue uh, to 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 the end. And uh, maybe you can speak to that. I, you know, because mm-hmm. again, for 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 most of us, 
you know, we go, oh, this person had such a great life. Why did they do that? Not understanding the the underlying factors behind the action. Yeah. A lot of um, individuals, when they do have these thoughts of maybe it's better if I just go ahead and, and die, or maybe my life would be better if I just ended, they're not, clearly they're not thinking and they're not in touch with reality. Uh, but in their quote unquote reality, that is the only way. So when you have someone, again, I, I don't know what Chelsea Chris was thinking, but a lot of my patients who have made attempts, they have oftentimes these auditory hallucinations or these command hallucinations where they're telling themselves, they're actually speaking negatively to themselves about themselves. So when, she, when they do make those attempts, they're thinking this is the only way, you know, there's nothing left for me to live for. So, so I might as well go ahead and just jump off this building or take these pills. So it's a lot of negative thinking or hallucinations or command hallucinations that's telling them, which is usually themselves talking to themselves, that this is the only thing that I need to do. And this is the better option because there is no other option Dying is better than living. So, Crystal, because living is too okay. painful. Question I would like to ask you is: Does the is the mind like cut off from the reality of which is really real to them at that point, or or the mind is just in a place that they just can't get out of their head? I would say the second one: the mind is at a point where they can't get out of their own head. They can't they can't think rationally or realistically. Um, one of the things that as a Therapist, I use cognitive behavior therapy with my patients, and cognitive behavior can, therapy. Can you explain? Oh, yep, cognitive yeah. behavior therapy just basically says if you can help a, a patient change how they think and how they view themselves and how they view the, the people around them, that will in turn minimize some of those negative feelings like sadness, uh, despair, loneliness, and then in turn will increase more realistic or healthy behavior patterns. So if you have somebody that's in their head and they're thinking, you know, I'm not good enough or dying is better than living, then as a therapist who's trained in working with people who, are, who have suicidal thoughts and suicidal behaviors or trained in working with people who are, who are depressed and you're coming from a cognitive behavior therapy perspective, and that's just one of several different treatment modalities that you can use, then as a CBT therapist, then you would help that person uh, who's coming to you be able to pause and think, okay, maybe my life is not good right now, whatever their definition of good is, but it's not always as bad as I think it is. A lot of people who are struggling with suicidal thoughts, and again, I'm tying it to depression, but there's other reasons why people can you know, think dying is better than living. A lot of times they think, and all or nothing uh, thinking patterns. It's either all bad or it's all good. So helping those individuals, those patients from a cognitive behavior therapy perspective become more in the middle, having that gray area. Yeah, it's bad right now, but it wasn't bad an hour ago or it wasn't bad two hours ago. Or even having them identify with what was going on an hour ago or two hours ago that made you feel or that makes you feel or think dying is better than living. So, yeah, Mark has a question. Yeah, Crystal. Um, 
I know in the movies a lot of times when they talk about, you know, people, I guess you said auditory and, and visual uh, hallucinations. They always mm-hmm. show them like the person's kind of looking up or looking odd. In your therapy sessions, have you seen people where you, where there's a visual change in their face, like they're listening to something that's not you or seeing something that's not you when you're physically there? Or is it more subtle where you're talking to them and they appear to be with you, but you have no idea that they're hearing other things? Or is it more, you know, obvious to you, like, oh, wow, I can see this person has left this conversation? Yeah, for me, um, if, yes, some, if, if you can see in a person's nonverbal cues. Um, if there's something that's being talked about, and I like to, one of the things that in my practice, I like to use Zoom rather than talking to people over the phone because you can't see their facial expressions when you're talking to them over the phone. So yes, there can be times, more times than not, where a person's demeanor, their facial expression might change depending on what you're talking about. So if you see that a person is looking down and they're looking sad or a conversation is happening and all of a sudden their presentation changes, their facial facial expression change, then as a therapist, you know, speaking personally, and those listeners out here, if you do have family members who, or friends who, you know, this applies, you can point out, hey, I noticed when I said that, or when you said that your facial expression changed, what's going on? Talk to me about that. So sometimes, yeah, you, even though you, the person, their facial presentation will, will at times change. The only way you'll know what's going on or what that person is thinking or what's in their head or some negative thought or auditory hallucination is happening is if you ask. And sometimes okay, so it will show up in, in their change in their presentation or facial. That's a, yeah, I, I was glad you, I'm glad you said that because I was going to ask, I mean, you know, as lay people, you know, again, you're, you're the professional, but as lay people, you're, what you're really suggesting is that we're more mindful, you know, because I mean, we're New Yorkers, you know, I don't know how many times you walk down the street and you go, hey, how you doing? And you don't really stop to listen to somebody telling mm-hmm. you how they're doing. Um, so I think in a lot of cases, you know, we, we see people every day and when we're talking and we're having conversations, but our brains, our minds are, are on to the next thing mm-hmm. and not really observing. So you're saying that we need to be mindful when we're having conversations or mindful of people's body cues or mindful of, of those types of things to, to maybe and to, to cut off or, 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 mm-hmm. it, you know, it, yeah, it would help because I, one of the things that I oftentimes hear as the biggest taboo, biggest stigma, well, biggest more so taboo is if you ask somebody if they want to, kill themselves, that might cause them to go out and do it. Reality is if a person is going to kill themselves or die by suicide, they're going to go ahead and do it anyway. So asking someone, hey, are you okay? Hey, what's going on? Hey, I noticed that I haven't seen you around lately. Um, And I remember you said that you were going through X, Y, and Z. And I'll tap into some of the things that, you know, might be a cause of concern or to look for. I noticed that you've been going through X, Y, and Z. You know, and I haven't heard from you lately. Like, what's going on? How's you doing? Um, taking time to actually have conversations is something that can help allow a person who feels like dying is better than living feel like they they have a connection with somebody. Because remember, when a person who is thinking about dying by suicide, they think it's just me. I'm all alone. Nobody cares. 
So when you have someone that if, if somebody that you that you're close to, somebody that you're friends with, somebody you haven't seen, but you know, you know, and people will tell you what they're going through. The question is, are we really listening? That they're right. going through stuff and you haven't seen them in a while or you haven't spoken to them, check in. Hey, how you doing? How's it going? You know, I really want to know what's happening. Um, and as the listener, you don't have to fix or save or rescue because there are some resources out here. I know you guys mentioned last week the Suicide Hotline um, and suicidepreventionlifeline.org. But yeah, bottom line, taking the time to actually connect with the person is what people who feel lonely feel like or think that dying is better than living. They feel like they don't have anybody to talk to, like nobody cares or that they are a burden. I had a patient tell me that last week, like, Crystal, I feel like I'm a burden sometimes, so I don't speak up. You know, so letting that, allowing that person the opportunity to, to, you know, see that you're standing there and hear that you actually care, you know, can can make all the difference in the world. And asking, hey, do you want to die? I, I have one more question. I'm sorry. Chris, I, I saw you make a distinction, at least maybe it's, I read it wrong. You said kill themselves or die by suicide. Is there a distinction in the, uh, in the clinical term or are you just correcting a, a word? Well, I'm... I think within the last three, two, maybe three years, we in the profession, in the clinical world, we don't like to say commit suicide because it sounds more community. That sounds more accusatory. So now we've changed the language to dying by suicide. Okay. Okay. And I I got a question, uh, Crystal. Um, Now that we see that there are younger folks who are, uh, and I want to use the right term, um, dying by suicide. I hope that's the right phrase. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, are you guy? Have you run across cases where you're associating that with bullying? And if you do associate it with bullying, what are some of the warning signs a parent or a guardian could look out look out for so they can address that uh, situation with the child? Yeah, that's a great question, Derek. So to piggyback off of what you all mentioned last week, uh, social media and how everything now is right there in your face. Yes, bullying. Uh, cyberbullying, teenagers, as well as adults, comparing themselves to what they see on social media and thinking that this person has it better than me. Teenagers making other teenagers feel like they have it better than me or we have more friends. So therefore, you're not part of, uh, again, that whole connection. Yes, that can contribute to a person feeling like they would rather not be here because no one will miss them or I'm a horrible person because all these people are bullying me and telling me I'm fat or I'm ugly or I, whatever the, ne- again, going back to the negative thoughts, the negative beliefs, yes. um, that those negative beliefs through negative thoughts, through bullying might contribute to a person dying by suicide. And I say might because not every person who gets bullied ends up dying by suicide but it can contribute to a person feeling and thinking negatively about themselves, further increasing that and further increasing those auditory, you know, hallucinations or command hallucinations. If these people are telling me this, then it must be true. Um, So yeah, the bullying can contribute to a person possibly dying by suicide. The thing that a parent, and I'm thinking more so of adolescents can do, if you see your child, who, again, parents know their children. You see your children, you, you, you can see when your child's behaviors have changed. 
And it's all about paying attention. If a, if a parent sees that their child is no longer interested in doing the things that they used to be interested in doing, the child is in their room a lot. The child's eating habits have changed. The child is not socializing. A child at slash adolescent, uh, not socializing. And this can apply to adults too. Those are the times to step in and say, hey, what's going on? Hey, I noticed that you know, you're in your room a lot. Um, now, being in a room is not necessarily a cause for concern when it comes to adolescents completely as it pertains to suicide because adolescents also like to be, they like that independence. So they want to have that separateness. But if you notice as a parent of a teenager, of a child, or even as an adult who has an adult friend, that that person is not doing things that they used to do. They're not communicating. They're not talking. They're just not being themselves. And you know what them said that that person's behaviors was that has changed. Speak up about it. Ask uh, those questions. Crystal, you don't have to tell Derek. Uh, that was a great question. He thinks all his questions are great. So you don't have to make it hard for us to deal with him later on. Now, now, cause now, and, and I'm glad you're experiencing the the, the hate, the hatred yes. that comes my way. You know, and it, all I did was ask I a mean, question. It doesn't matter now, where it comes. Now we got to deal with this cat for the next <laughs> episode with some of how greatest questions are. <laughs> well, listen, Crystal. Look, uh, you know, I know you have to go. I know, I know you have to run. Um, tell tell the audience. You know, and and you, know, you never know who you're going to reach. Tell the audience how they can a reach you. Mm-hmm. And B, if they're in crisis or if they sent somebody else's in, in crisis, what what they can do. Yep. So if you want to reach me, I can be reached at 917-300-8645. Or you can reach me by way of email at crystal, no, I'm sorry, cdaniels at therapist.net. You can send me whatever questions or you can text me at that number I gave, 917-300-8645. Send me a text. Um, I'm quick to respond to a text, as well as email, cdaniels at therapist.net. The other way people can reach out uh, for help or for more questions is, I know we talk about social media being like a, a, a curse, but social media can also be a blessing. So you have organizations like NAMI, which is the National Alliance on Mental Illness. They are great. They have a plethora of information. If you are not sure, if you have a family member who's going through something, you can reach out to NAMI. NAMI is a national organization. They have a huge chapter here in New York City. I'm a member. I'm, I'm one, actually one of several ambassadors at NAMI. You can reach out to them if you have any questions or concerns or you're not sure about something. Uh, social media also have support groups. So for those people who are out here who are depressed and you're not sure who to talk to, you can go on Facebook and Facebook has just do a search for support groups for depressed people, uh, support group for anxiety, whatever the mental illness is. There are some uh, Facebook pages that are there that can provide you with a plethora of information along with NAMI or if you choose to contact me by way of email or text you know, you can get that information as well. And then, as I believe Mark mentioned last week, there's the suicide prevention hotline at 800-273-8255. And here's my other favorite. You can also text the word HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741741. 
There's a crisis counselor on the other end of that phone that you can text whatever your problems are, whatever your concerns are, if you just feel like dying is better than living or that is too difficult for you to get up in the morning. And you'll have somebody there that'll talk to you and, and help you and walk you through it and then link you to the appropriate uh, mental health organization or professional accordingly. Thank you, cousin. You've been a godsend. Thanks, and, and, and I, uh, we definitely, I, I can't even tell you how much we appreciate you coming on and sharing that information because the hardest thing for, for anybody, for all of us, is to to see people in crisis mm-hmm. and and not have you know the 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 wherewithal or not have the answers mm-hmm. to the questions or not have you know again it's it's one thing to see somebody in trouble it's another thing to 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 be able to say okay he, this is the problem I think I might have some some way to get to a solution yep. I'm gonna say we have the solutions but just a way to point somebody towards a solution. Yep. We definitely appreciate you. And we will have you back because you did a great job. We love you. I love you, Chris. We'll, uh, love you guys. Love you guys. See you right. next time. And uh, give me a call if anything, guys. I appreciate you. Stay strong and stay safe. Thank you. We got Thank you. you. Thank you, Chris. Bye-bye. Now we got to deal with this nonsense. Great question. Please. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, so, no, I, you know, I, 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 it was... I don't know about y'all, but I, I learned. I, I'm today's years old when I learned half of this stuff. I didn't mm-hmm. know anything about NAMI. I didn't no, know never that you could. Yeah, that that you could text home to uh, to was it seven four one seven four one? Yeah, yeah. And and you know these things have, have been out there. You know, we always talk about you know like uh, mental health and mental health crises, and that's when we see people. We always see people in crisis. We see this this young woman, Justly Chris, in crisis. Um, Regina King's son, and I'm sorry, I don't know his name, um, uh, it was, was in crisis. And that's when we see them. And and we don't necessarily know, um, you know, what to do or how to do or whatever. You know, as I said, I mean, it, it, it's rough. Uh, again, let me just repeat those numbers that uh, Crystal just gave out. Um, uh, the number is uh, 817 or is it 917, Mark? Um, it's 9. Hold on, let me just... 917 300 8645. I thought it was 817. My mistake. I thought it was 8, but maybe I'm wrong. And uh, for the uh, Suicide Prevention Hotline, the number is 800 273 8255. So, again, you know, I, I don't know who's listening, uh, but if you know somebody that's having a hard time, you know, this is this is what's great about a podcast. All you got to do is hit the rewind button. And the number will come back up again when I say it. So uh, you know that's how we got to go. Um, you know it's 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 a you know it's a tough t- <laughs> it's a tough time for all of us. And I, you know I'm, I'm going to have Crystal back because I do want to ask her questions about whether this pandemic has led to more depression, mm-hmm. um, whether the last four years, whether the Trump years led to more depression. Or I know she mentioned she briefly touched on social media being um you know one of these tribute you know contributing factors to to depression um but i'd be curious to know whether uh, black people are suicides among black uh youth black teens and and young black adults is on the rise or whether it's just you know we're just more more aware of it than we've been in the past i would venture a guess that it's probably about where it is always is but as as always, it's underreported. I mean, because for a couple of reasons, for a couple of reasons, obviously the the people in the newsrooms don't always re- 
often reflect, um, I guess, their neighborhoods they're serving. And us as, as a culture, we tend to suppress that. I mean, remember, if somebody is, you know, uh, if they are, are, you know, like that, they, they tend to be like, hey, man, you okay? You know, buck up. All of the classic, you know, you're fine. Right. Instead of just saying, hey, man, maybe, you know, maybe somebody's going through it right now. We don't, we don't do that. I mean, we just, just think in our lifetime, we, you know, we're in our 50s and some of us are a little higher. Um, hey, watch yourself there. Watch yourself. <laughs> I, I was playing. I was playing football in uh, I guess '87, my senior year in high school, and I got my quote unquote bell rung. Now that same hit today, I'm pretty sure I was concussed. But that same hit today, <laughs> there's no way in the world we're back on the field. It was just like, hey, you know, you know, put some dirt on you, good. So we're slowly as a society coming along as a society as a whole, but as a culture, as a group, as a as an ethnic group, a, a race, we're still behind because of two things. Probably first and foremost. We've been taught that, and also we don't trust a lot of people. We tend to we tend to not trust somebody who says, "Hey, I'm here to help you." You know, like, okay, what do you want? I mean, like, and then and then you add that to the four of us being New Yorkers. It's like, man, I don't trust anybody. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, how you doing? What do you want? You know, it's like that kind of deal. So it's it's a lot of layers, but I, it it's probably an amalgamation of of all those things. You know, the, the unreporting, the culture, the statistics, the macho-ness and all those things so you you right. probably like thinking it's not as bad as it is but it's nowhere near as good as we would hope it to be yeah that's I, a very, i'm a big i'm a big oh, i was gonna say that's a very good uh point not great mark but a good point but it's like <laughs> it's like a label you know, you know, thanks, you know we <laughs> we as we as a, you know, our race if you were to say that you know back in the day you got some sort of uh mental health uh issue you know people would look at you a little differently you know, it's like, yo, is, is is this person supposed to be getting on the bus at three o'clock? You know, the little short bus that, you know, the jokes uh-huh. that went along. Yeah. Remember, those are the jokes that went along with it. And it wasn't a good look. So people kind of kept it in. But now that you're able to talk about it and you're not looked upon as being somebody who's not normal, but this is what happens to people. That's the only way you can get uh, better. But in our communities forever, it always has been looked frowned upon. It's always been frowned upon. And that's yeah, why it's good I, when well, the athletes started saying things because it, it makes it easier. Like, oh, yes. you know, DeMar DeRozan saying something, Kevin Love saying it's something, uh, Simone Biles. You know, I'm not, I'm not that odd. I'm not that quote unquote. I'm not that crazy right. because they're doing the same thing or feeling the same ways I might be feeling. Exactly. Yeah. What were you going to say, Keith? I came across this article I just looked up when you was talking about uh, suicide among the black youth, and they had here since 2003 and 2017, suicide has roles in this particular group, especially among black girls. And it shows that they had 1,810 black youth between the ages of five and 17 who died by suicide. You said 2003 well, to 2017? Yes. You know what that is? Social media age. Yep. Social media, smartphones and social media. Yeah, I mean- So it, the cyberbullying and all that stuff you're talking about. Derek said it perfectly last week, and I hate yeah. to say that he said it perfectly, but he said it well. He said it pretty good. You know what is amazing? Damn. You know, when, when this is over, somebody's going to get a good talking to, and it ain't going to be me. You know, because I can hear right now, I told you to rein him in. 
and now you go and bring family on and empower him? Oh, my God. <laughs> that macaroni going to be cold tonight, baby. <laughs> and you think about our kids, you know, um, broken homes, uh, school bullying, um, social media bullying, and they really have no grandparents or, or to turn to or maybe siblings or even parents. And who are they talking to? They're talking to other people. And then, then they start talking to themselves, as Crystal said. And once you start talking to yourself and you're answering yourself as a as a second party, it does not get better. Well, you know, she she. I mean, you you touched upon what she what what her specialty is. Crystal uh, Daniel's specialty is trauma, mm-hmm. and trauma takes many many forms. I mean, we all we all you know. Obvious trauma, somebody's been in combat. Obvious trauma, somebody's been assaulted or attacked. Obvious trauma, somebody's lost uh, a loved one in a tragic you know, accident or situation. Those are obvious things. But there's so many more subtle layers of, of trauma where, where you know kids who don't have either, maybe they don't have food security. Mm-hmm. Maybe they don't know where their next meal is coming from. Maybe they don't have uh, a housing security. I mean, you can speak to this, Derek. I mean, where, where you don't know whether you're going to be, you know, with a roof over your head tonight or out in the street. You know, that that is, those are all traumatic events that, that happen on a daily basis, on a regular basis. Um, and, you know, I'm sure for, for, People who are in situations that are abusive, we talked about it a couple of years ago. This this pandemic did not help that situation. No, yeah. if, you're, if you're a child stuck with an abusive parent, you were stuck in the house with that abusive parent for for eighteen months. If yeah. you're uh, uh, the spouse or the girlfriend of, of of an abuser, you were stuck with that person dealing with their nonsense for eighteen months. And so, yeah, you know it. it, it all of us, I, I, you know, as we were talking about, uh, you know, doing the, the mental health check-ins. I remember when we were on lockdown, occasionally we would text each other, you know, just a mental health check. How you doing? You know, and everybody would, you know, on, on our group chat, everybody would, you know, chime in. You know, I'm good. I'm not good. I'm good. You know, so at least, you know, the idea that, that there's a world outside of your own head was, was, was that was the intent. Um, but I realized, you know, from, from listening to Crystal today that there's so much, I mean, you know, I know it sounds obvious, but it's not obvious in practice. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, we, we kind of mentally, intellectually know we should be more mindful. But as I said, I don't know how many times I walk down the street and, you know, I'll walk in the building and walk, talk to somebody. Hey, how you doing? And they go, hey, I'm good. And you keep it moving. I don't even, I don't even wait to hear it sometimes. response, yeah. Because we, we, yeah, we're in a rush. We're in a rush. Yeah. And sad to say, it could be that we really don't want, we think the answer is going to be, I'm okay. And if it's not okay, we're already down the subway. You know, we're already <laughs> swiping our Metro card because we didn't take the time out because of what we're used to. And the lack, and, and Mark said it, and we don't trust people from New York. You just don't, it's hard. But we got we to gotta get out of it, um, you know, that mind frame with the way things are going. Because there's so many people who just want to voice somebody to listen to. And then, you know, we looking and, and, and if you're going to stop, you can't be looking at your watch like when they going to wrap this up, you know, <laughs> you know because I, I've been guilty of that. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, like, you know, I, I know what I hear you, man, but I got to go. If you're going to ask, be, you know, patient and be sincere with what they tell you, because it, it, you could be the person who just, you know, got them off that ledge for that moment. Mm-hmm. 
And I think, yeah, I think, I think that, that, that that's a great statement, Derek. You're pushing this, you're pushing envelope. I, it, yeah. the, the, no, no, because it's true. I mean, you don't, box. you don't know where, where you're going to pop up on in somebody's life story. You don't know whether you're going to pop up in the, in, at the end or, or, or in the beginning or in the, in the change of a chapter. You don't know. Um, and sometimes, you know, I guess we, we, we all need to, to pay more attention to other people's life stories. I guess, you know, part of the problem of, 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 of stress for, you know, people who are working, who are grinding, is that when you're grinding and you're hustling, it's hard to be open to other people's uh, difficulties. It, it just is. I mean, you, 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 you know, that's where we're in many ways overwhelmed worked overwhelmed and so sometimes just to be open to that until maybe uh you see it in somebody that's that's really close to you then you can kind of address it but but those that second tier of people or that third tier of peripheral people sometimes you just miss it it's unfortunate um you know as i said it's black history month and 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 there is some black history i'd like to talk about i definitely like to talk about uh because it's it's being made as we speak. Uh, former Miami Dolphins head coach Brian Flores has sued the NFL for racial discrimination, and it, as I said, it, it, it's it's the National Football League is by far the most popular sport in America. It's not to say that we don't like baseball. It's not to say that we don't like NBA basketball. But in terms of just Sheer dollars and sheer eyes on the sport. There's nothing bigger in the, in the United States. I mean, you can go around the world and find soccer around. being the number one sport, or or or, or Grand Prix auto racing, or, or cricket in some parts of the world. But in the United States of America, the sport, the 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 spectator sport of choice is the NFL, National Football League, and Brian Flores is now. Uh, taking his uh, spear like Don Quixote and he's going at the giant windmill that the NFL is. And uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts. I know we've been talking about it because this is, it it, kind of, it was kind of ground shaking and earth shattering uh, when he, when he shot that, uh, when he put his shot across the bow of the NFL last week, when he, you know, based on what, what happened to him in Miami. You know what? He was listening to Powell to the people on Monday when we spoke about it before you put it out there. And he, he's been so on point because if you listen to a lot of the sports commentators, even they have said that they have so many great African-American uh, coaches and stuff that should be coaches in the NFL and not given the, the fair chance. And uh, what came across today was that the Texans got Lonnie S- Smith, the lovey, coach Lovey, Lovey, Lovey. Lovey Smith, the coach from now, if I'm correct, Lovey coached the Cincinnati Bengals, right? No, no, no. That, that was a that was uh Marvin Lewis. Lovey coached the, the Bears for about eight years, and then the Buccaneers for about two. Went Super Bowl with the Bears. Uh, yeah, winning to, uh, record too. Uh, yeah, winning record with the Bears yeah. and winning record with the Bucks. So I, last time yeah, he coached yeah. was what when he was with the Bears? No, with the so Bucks. Last time he coached, I think the Bucks didn't get. He only, I thought he had a losing record with the Bucks, but he definitely had a winning record with the Bears, and he got them to Super. Bowl. He, he, he the uh, the uh, the man in Super Bowl when they. Is that the one in the ring? Right. Yeah, when Prince was yep, forming on his heels Rex in the ring. Grossman, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, Rex, so, yeah, he got the Super Bowl with Rex Grossman. There you go. Right. So That tells you all you got to know about him. Yeah, he got the Super Bowl with Rex Grossman. 
Uh, he didn't win. He went up against one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Yeah, that was a crappy And, you know, <laughs> in the ring. <laughs> okay. right. so, so, we, so you're telling me they recycle, and nothing against Lubby, they recycle Lubby, but none of the new uh, prospects, point. none of the new prospects out there My point, can get a Derek. look. And, My point, Derek. Uh, okay. And that's where, you know, and I figured that's where you were going. I said, I'm going to jump in. And, you know, because if I remember correctly, when the Rooney rule started, um, when and that's the rule Anthony spoke about, I guess it was last week, last week or the week before, where you have to interview an African-American or minority coach. Um, there was three coaches. Then as of last year, prior to Lubby, it was just Mike Tomlin. So now that uh, Mr. Flores, and I don't know if y'all know, Flores is from Brooklyn, uh, Brownsville. Yeah, he's, he's, he's local yeah. boy. Yeah. Brownsville, do or die, baby. Brownsville never ran, never will. So he he decided to step up. Um, will it hurt him in the long run? Definitely. Absolutely. But it, yeah, yeah well, well, I mean, we saw what happened to my guy. And one thing we all agree upon when you're dealing with billionaires who are the owners if you ain't got that type of money, it's but so far that you can really push that needle. You got to find some sort of way of how to hit them in the pocket. Congress. But his his right his NFL career is 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 done. But he had to say it because there's a pink elephant in the room. And if he doesn't say this, I don't believe they hire Lubby. They just keep doing what it is they're doing. But now they get to say, okay, we got uh, Mike and we got Lubby for now, and we'll throw your bone maybe next year, or maybe we'll go back to what it was until somebody else says something different. But all he did was uh, take a stance for something that was, you know, it was known, but nobody really said it until he decided to go with his battle. Good yeah, luck Brian to you, Flores. Mr. Flores. Brian Flores is, is Kurt Flood. Kurt flooding this he's the one stepping yeah. out because he's never gonna coach. there's no right even if the put it this way <clears throat> even if an owner thought this guy should be my coach he would have to be a pillar or some kind of juggernaut to, to look at the other 31 owners because they'll go man you hired this guy he's suing us you're part of the us so he's suing us so that he's never going to get hired again what hopes what i hope happens for him because um i hope he makes enough money off the settlement because they're not going to go to trial. The NFL is not going to trial because you go to trial, then you you bring in discovery. You bring in the possibility of Congress want to look at your uh, uh, antitrust clauses and all those things. The fact they have a monopoly, you don't want all that deal. So you will just, you'll probably have a, a settlement because the NFL and they got great lawyers, although this is lawyers will be pretty good too, but they have really good lawyers. It'll be a settlement. It'll be unsealed. So you'll never know the amount, but what the real goal is that there won't be another Brian Flores or better yet when Lovey gets hired the next Lovey gets hired we'll be like okay you know such and such got hired again because if Lovey Smith gets hired if this becomes official he'll be the first black head coach to be hired three times that's never happened before you've had you know guys been fired and hired again but never quote-unquote never a three-time loser and we've seen many of three-time losers in on, on the other side so if he does this he's sort of like breaking ground in the fact that he was hired three times. So hopefully it will become to the point where we don't even think about like, oh, such and such got hired or such and such got fired and it doesn't raise a bar. Just, oh, like, you think about it. In the NBA, we don't even think about whether the coach is black or white. It's like, can he coach or not? That's the only criteria. And that's what you'd be the right. criteria. Of, that's that's why we like sports because ideally it's merit-based. You can play, you can't play. That's it. We don't care that Luca's white. We know that, that boy can ball. That's the only criteria you know, Lucas that that guy is a player. We knew Larry Bird. He was a play. He wasn't a he wasn't a good white player, 
Larry Bird was a, great player. Was a player. Whoop, you know, he just so that's the criteria. So hopefully in the NFL it gets to that point where you don't care what the coach is, just can they coach? Can't are they good coach? That's it. Because the same thing that's that's the rule that happens in in, uh, in basketball. So hopefully that rule eventually or that that feeling or that sense applies at some point in the near future in the NFL. Yeah, I I, I understand that, Mark. But you know, as Dark said, you have billionaires that own these clubs, and they're old billionaires like old money, and they don't like a change like that coming oh, into their existence. And that's what that basically is. They can deal with their kind, but for something new to come in, and they have to deal with how they talk to them, or or you you can't talk to me that way because I'm the owner or whatever and you're trying to get your team right, it creates a real problem. So they can deal with theirs, but they can't deal with something that's different from what they have been doing with all their life. Well, what I like about this this particular suit, and I'm going to piggyback on something you said, Keith, uh, uh, the fact that, you know, they brought Lovey Smith in, and, and God bless, I, you know, I like Lovey Smith. Um, but Lovey Smith was not, look, I don't, I don't get the impression he wasn't even in the talks. I don't think he wasn't. I don't think he was necessarily looking for a job. Did I mean, he you know, the guys were talking about. <laughs> I mean, yeah. he, he was know, on his staff. He was on Texan staff. I thought. Oh, he's on the, Oh, he is. Yeah. As, as what? I think. I mean, I, I, yeah, talk, I'm gonna look it up. That, yeah, yeah. I, I thought he was a D quarterback. I'll look it up. So he fought yeah, one I mean, black man to hire another black man. Another, yeah, exactly. You already had a black coach, okay. Cully, who who had those kids playing for him. They played for him really, really well. You know, as for the money that these billionaires have, Derek, you know, uh, Mark may be right. It may not ever see the light of day. All they got to do is at the next, at the winter meetings, pass the pass the hat around. Because mm-hmm. they all throw in about twenty million a piece. They don't. That's they find that money in their sofa. They throw in twenty million dollars a piece times thirty two. Brian Flores ain't never got to work again. His kids will <laughs> never have to work again. He'll be set. Yeah. Uh, but that's not the point. I think. I think what's starting to happen, what what made this lawsuit so to me historic, is that now Brian Flores is alleging that uh, uh, the the owner of the Dolphins That's the real offered thing. to pay him, yeah. offered to pay him to lose, and then Hugh uh, Jackson, who's the former coach of the uh, Bengals, I mean uh, the Browns, right, yeah. said said that uh, their owner offered him money. You know, to lose or offering an incentive yeah. package for to, to not win, so that affects, affects the integrity of the game. The reason why we we have all the you know right now in New York, you got FanDuel, you got sports betting all over the country, pretty much. Um, for for the longest time, there's been an injury report that that was mandatory, so that you know guys couldn't make money on on inside information about who's hurt, who's not hurt. This is big time. This goes to the integrity of the game. What if, what if, um, you know, end of the season and somebody's got a you know chance to get into the playoffs to get to the Super Bowl and they're facing the Dolphins or they're facing the Browns and and those teams uh, coaches have been paid off and told to lose the game or put lineups in there that are definitely going to lose the game. That affects who wins. That affects who goes. That affects everything. It, it's, it's a house of cards that comes tumbling down. Remember. When Bill Belichick got caught cheating, what they do? They 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 burn the tapes. They said, "Okay, fine, we're gonna we're gonna get the highest penalty we've ever given him, and he and Robert Kraft, and this will never be visited again." And they burnt 
everything. They made sure that that stuff never saw the light of day because apparently if you have to burn the tapes, that means it was so egregious yep. that it really brought into uh, play the, the the integrity of the game. Mm-hmm. Because because the the the, the, the St. Uh, Louis Rams at the time, since you know uh, they're back in the Super Bowl, but the St. Louis Rams at the time said when they were on the field, every time they called a play out, they said that the, the Patriots were calling the plays out before they got them out their mouth. <laughs> before Kurt Warner could finish it. And yeah, Lovey so, was the yeah. coordinator. He was the defensive coordinator this year for the Texans, so they just bumped him up. Oh, okay, okay. So all right, so he got he got bumped up. They fired a black man, a hired black man, and and they still and they still can't keep their black quarterback. <laughs> Wait, he wants some he bullshit because yeah. of the racism that's going on in the organization. But yeah, you know, nobody wants to talk about that. No, I think the real yeah, we would hope that the the reason that you're suing is the reason that things change. But the reason things will change is one of two things. Like I said, Congress gets into it, or more likely, when you have all those betting apps say, listen, wait, I'm giving you this money, I'm licensing you this money, and this game's not on the up and up, you better do something. And that's when that's when things will start really changing, when the when the pockets change. Because the perceptions, the NFL's lived with perceptions for years of negative perceptions, rapists and murderers and everything else, and they just kind of you know wash right through it. They don't really have a problem with that. But money... They don't, you don't, don't mess with their money. Billionaires want what? They want more billions. They don't want less billions. Well, that's the thing. I, you know, right now, as you, you just pointed out, like I said, these all the big time gambling money. You know, everybody's an MGM, Caesars. You know, all the you know mm. the DraftKings, FanDuel, and and a million other different uh, online betting apps that allow for sports gambling. Is taking place, especially like you know, and, and now that you got New York on board, and I think you got LA, you have these major metropolises with millions and millions of potential gamblers. Uh, that's big time money, and they're paying. Man, these these like you said, man, yeah. man, every time you watch an NFL game, I'm so tired of seeing JB Smooth. Oh my god! <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm not mad at JB getting that money, but you know, I mean, the whole point of those commercials is because they're trying to get you to gamble. That's what they want you to do. You know, they got everybody. I'm, JB Fox has got one. Um, that's right. That he's hosting. Uh, the manager you know, so, and the JB Smooth. Yeah, it, it's crazy. It's it's so this, this is this is a big time move. It's a big time. It's a big baller move, and 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 I I, I can't wait. I hope I hope he doesn't sell. Believe me, like I said, they're passing the hat right now. That 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 them big he's gonna have to settle. I believe he's gonna. I mean, I don't I don't want him to because I like to I like a I like to see the show of what would happen. But it's he has two lawyers. They got what. <laughs> 200, you know, lawyer. But, but see, but it's, you know, Mark, though, here's the thing. There's so much money involved in the NFL. You just said it's so much money involved in the NFL. You mean to tell me if I'm if I'm a labor lawyer and I'm like the top of my class and I see that this suit is going on and, and these two lawyers are like, you know, there's a lot of it's work. It's a class action suit, right? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's going to be a yeah, class action. Well, so, so, But right now it's only, it's only one or two. Plaintiffs. Uh, it's just him mm-hmm. right now. I'm not sure if, uh, if other coaches are joining in. Yeah, that's. But right now, yeah. he's the class action dude. So if I'm a lawyer and I'm good at, at labor relations, I'm calling them up, saying y'all need some help because the lawyers get a third of that. Yeah, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be all up in that 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 billion dollars. <laughs> I, I think that, that I think definitely the, 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 out. 
Yeah, because the, the settlement they're going to offer him, and even if he says no, they're going to go to his family members. They're going to go to somebody who can talk to him and say, look, this is the type of paper. And they're like, oh, you didn't tell me this was that. They was offering you this, babe. You know, <laughs> shoot, we ain't never seen this type of money. But I'm hoping, like Mark, I get to see the show, the guys from The Ville, and he keep it 100 and stand up because he can be – that person, you know, he could be the Rosa Parks or the goddamn black coaches to be like, yo, it is enough of this. We got to do business differently. If we got 70, 75 percent of our players who are African-American, but we can't coach it. And Anthony uh, went through it last week with the numbers and he you know, asked us all the questions regarding, well, why can't you coach it? You, you it's got to change. But when you are a billionaire, who going to tell me I got to change? You know, I, I I don't know. That's why this is, this is going to be a good one. But the settlement is going to be very lovely and it's going to be tempting and hard to turn down. I don't see how he, he, he does, you know, does not turn it, you know, does not accept it. Well, to Mark's point, when you when you have that kind of settlement, it comes with, you, can't say nothing. you know, yeah. uh, non-disclosure. And, yeah. and, and I don't know that he agrees to that. He may take the, you know, they're they going to have to give up something. Well, the thing they're gonna have to give him a job. No, give him a part. He can't give him a part. Gonna, with he's never gonna be able to work in that organization or any organization. But gonna say his uh, his fellow owner is gonna say right. He's got to. But the thing he kept hearing, they kept saying, uh, I kept hearing from um, guys like Peter King and other people who are uh, insiders, is that this is not like a regular dude. He's they kept saying the word. He's very principled. So I'm hoping from obviously from my standpoint, I'm hoping that it goes to trial because I want I want to see the show. But if I'm Brian Flores and I know I'm never going to work again, and that's people say, "Oh, so he's never going to work again." If you something you and he, he he said he said in the interview, "I'm gifted and I'm gifted to do this. I'm gifted to coach it." He loves it, so yeah, you can give him X amount of dollars, say a hundred million dollars, and that's right. generational times X change. But he, we just we, we talked earlier in the first half hour of the show, uh, mental health. He may have all his money and be miserable because he can't do what he wants to do for True. reasons that have nothing to do with his ability, has things to do with ignorance. So, yeah, he sit there on his million-dollar bank account and just be like, this sucks. This this is horrible. I'd rather make my six figures and be out there working 44-hour days, you know, than sitting here with this millions and millions and millions and not being able to do what I love to do. So that's the part that I'm pretty sure he's going to have to set up because I'm pretty sure he's – you know, family and what at certain point you you got to be able to pay some bills, but he may have to be under the standpoint of like, yeah, I'm going to settle because that's the most logical thing to do, but it's not what I want to do. What I want to do is coach. I wouldn't be here if you guys would just act right. Well, well, Mark, I, I look at if he's true to this, what his suit is and what the game is really about, he will not just settle for the money because you got to have a change. You can take the money. But it's not going to change the circumstances. Same thing when we look at uh, Kaepernick, how he stood up. They offered him money, whatever, but he did not change his stance for what he believed in. If you believe in this wholeheartedly and you're willing to go down with this, and like you said, we'll take this to court. We'll let the, the, the system decide how this should be played out. But it's not. If this, you're true to the game. This if is a civil suit. It's not, the, the it's not, suit uh, if you're just in for the suit to, to get some money, you're still not helping nobody else. It's just a suit. That's all it is. But, but if you're really suing, in it, you got to stay in it. Yeah, he's yeah. suing for he, he's suing he's suing for damages. So so his personal 
He's not suing for it because you want somebody to go to jail for you know robbing him. He's no, yeah, I understand it. So he has to at some point. At some point, when all these things, but they're not going to go to trial next week. This is the NFL. They're going to string this out forever, forever and ever and ever. And they're going to keep coming to his lawyer. Listen, hey, how much shut him up? How much shut him up? How much shut him up? And at a certain point, if there's a Mrs. Flores, she's going to say, listen, you know what? This is taking a. T- it's going to start taking a toll on him. It, this is, you know, we're sitting here going, yeah, I want you to do it because. I have no skin in the game. I'm not, I don't have to sit there and listen to my lawyer, my wife, my, you know, have my passion I'm taken not... away. But I don't. I don't know if he can. I hope he can, and I hope he comes out double edged, like Keith said. I hope he gets the money that he deserves, and in some kind of way, still finds a way to still be in football. Right. Whether it's, you know, the NFL will be done, but you know, maybe college. Maybe he opens, uh, uh, lack of a better word, an academy. You know, he's a a coaching guru or something like that. But I think what he wants to do and what he, he's worked all his life to do is do this on this level. And that's going to be stripped from him because no one is going to have the balls to say, you know what? I don't care what he's doing. He got jobbed. I got to have an opening. This guy can coach. I'm I'm taking him. I don't think the owners are that strong. You know, I'm not so I'm not so sure Derek is wrong when he said, you know, talk about the personality and the cat. This guy is from Brownsville. Never ran, never. He from Brownsville, Brooklyn. For people who are listening around the country who no, don't understand no, no. what I just said about this part of Brooklyn, I tell you also from Brooklyn, uh, Brownsville, Brooklyn. Mike Tyson. Mm-hmm. It's different over there. That's the kind of mentality you have to have mm-hmm. to grow up and survive. And Brian Flores is not some not some kid. This is not this is not the new Brownsville. This is Brownsville from back exactly. in the back of the day. Exactly. So this is not some punk that you're just going to roll over. This is the same guy that told, uh, I guess the guy's name is Ross, uh, uh, for for the Dolphins. Stephen Ross and? Stephen Ross, yes. He told him, nah, man, I'm not doing that. He told him, no, I ain't coming to your boat to to talk to Tom Brady. That's tampering. I'm not not engaged in none of your nonsense. I'm not doing it. Uh, This is the guy that came out and stood up for Kaepernick when Kaepernick was uh, being blackballed. Mm -hmm. Uh, he, he he mentioned the fact that uh, you know he talked about black lives and and everything. Else. So this is a different, this is a different dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you mentioned Kurt Flood, Mark. This is yeah, this that this is a certain kind of makeup for these guys. Uh, and I'm not saying you know uh, Kaepernick is, is any punk. You know, a Kaepernick they 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 shit on Colin Kaepernick. If the if the money is to believe, he only got about ten million. I thought Colin got you know enough to retire and not have to worry about football no more. Something he loves. He only got about, I think he and he got 10 million and I think he split it with, uh, what's his face? Reed, right? Um, so the oh, two of them got that money. Yeah. So uh, I get the impression that Brian, Brian Flores, uh, if he came from Brownsville, he's already he's already thrifty. <laughs> you know, this is a guy that grew up. Hey, I got a lot of friends in the bill. I got a lot of friends in the bill. Watch that. I got a lot of friends in the bill. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm just saying, you grew up in the struggle. You're not loose with your dollars. Not at all. You know, this is a this is a guy that got up out of the hood, got his life together, went to college, got you know, did the right things. Um, and I'm sure he came up. He came up the hard way. So I'm just saying, he's built different. Definitely. Definitely. And I'm not so sure that the NFL is prepared. For this kind of brother, <laughs> you know, I mean, Agreed, there's a lot Anthony. of guys. Yeah, I, you know, I just think there's a lot of guys out there that would, you know, you know, notice. You know, if you Jackman Jackson never said nothing about it until all of a sudden Brian Flores stepped up. 
All these guys now say, yeah, you know, you make a, all these coaches are coming out on the slide and, you know, leaking a little stuff here and a little stuff there about their experiences. This dude just said, you know what? I ain't getting no job. F y'all, I'm taking you to court. And there was jobs available. It wasn't like he was done. There was jobs available still. He was like, nah, kill all that noise. I'm not going to no more bogus interviews. I'm not playing with you. This is real talk, and, and we're going at it. So, uh, you know, I guess we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you're right, Mark, in the sense that the NFL can't afford to have the discovery that's going to come with this thing. They definitely can't afford to have uh, no. the impropriety of, of guys fixing and throwing games. They're already now talking about maybe the NFL needs to go to a lottery system so that, you know, guys don't tank at the end or whatever. But if it happened to them, and think about these habitually bad teams, you know, uh, Cleveland. Um, the, fact, the Dolphins haven't been habitually bad, but they haven't been, like, you know, uh, playoff worthy in a while. But certainly, like, the, the, the Browns. I can only imagine. I'm, I'm sure that the Bucks maybe at one point. I'm, you know, I'm not sure, how, you know, how they get down. I'm, I'm not. I'm not casting any aspersions. I'm just saying that that there are probably teams um, outside of these two that that have been mentioned that have dealt with the same kind of foolishness, and they and they're willing to sacrifice a black coach because you know, as Derek said, we don't, you know. Oh, maybe you made the point, Mark. Maybe you made a great point, Mark, when you said Lovey Smith will be the first coach that's been hired by three teams. Great point. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I mean, is, but, is, it, uh, is, it, is it really? You know, I mean, I mean, they know it's coming from his brother. Is it, is it really? You know what? I'll go with that. Okay, cool. <laughs> but I'm just saying. I mean, you know, it, it, it's it's the, the possibility. Of, of of a black coach getting a second or third chance of very rare. unlikely, Agreed. you know, unlikely and 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 white name coaches them. get recycled name to death. Um, One thing I yeah, will I mean, say, Dungy, uh, yep, Tony Dungy. One thing I wanted to say because we was talking about teams. <laughs> no, Lovey, Dungy, Dungy and Lovey. One team oh. that didn't tank it last year was your, I guess it's your favorite uh, supervisor, the New York Jets, where they should have lost that game to get that quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> they would have won the goddamn. I said, well, they, you know, they ain't cheating. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, they're just special ed. That's what they are. <laughs> yeah, they, the one time you needed them to lose, they go they out and won the goddamn game. I'm like, okay, there goes your future. It wasn't, like they, it wasn't like they stumbled into it, but they actually <laughs> won it outright. Oh, here's the list. So, Dungy, that's what I'm saying. That's, that's, Lovey Smith, yeah, and, okay. and Caldwell. That's the list. Three three coaches that we got. Dungy, who've, who've got you know fired and, and got and hired another job. Dungy, wow. Dungy, Lovey Smith, and Caldwell. Only three. If there's somebody else. If there's somebody else I'm missing, I'm just those are the ones off the top of my head. This, if I'm missing somebody else, because obviously uh, Dungy was Tampa, then then Colt. Um, Lovey was uh, Bears, Bucks, and and now Texans. Caldwell was Colts and and uh, Detroit. Detroit, which I mean Detroit's not a real NFL yeah, team, but you know they they have the logo on the shield, so I guess we got to go with that. <laughs> you know, on that note, on that note, Jacksonville just hired Doug Peterson, who left the Eagles. He was only out, he was only out of the league what for a year? No, he just a got year, hired just about a year. But here's the he thing got about, a draw. But here's the thing about the, that one, and I this I do respect. Uh, was a boy Leftwich. Fire Leftwich. The, the the GM of that team is Trent Baalke. Trent Baalke is a horrible GM. So if you're a, if you're a a, a left witch, you go listen. That's the that's the thing people with with uh, in, in particular for the NFL versus like say NBA. You get a horrible GM, 
you might as well just not be have the job because he's going to ruin you anyway. He's going to take you down. He's going to fire you and then saw your ass, uh, Hugh Jackson, and saw your name. You'll never get another job. This guy, Bulky, has hired, I think, is, is three of his, two of his last three coaches have given him a year on a job. Right, no, so, this would be a sport so, coach in, I think, four yeah, years. So yeah, so if I'm, if I'm left with I'm going, yeah, I know I got, uh, what's the boy down there, uh, Trevor Lawrence, but the GM is a piece of work. So why would I want to put my name and be attached to this guy when he don't have a, a whim and next thing you know, I'm gone? And then, and then suddenly also, I can't but, coach. But meanwhile, he can GM. But that's the that's the thing, though. See, a guy when it, when 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 rumor mill goes around, uh, um, what's his face? Uh, the, the the former coach of the uh, Saints, uh, Sean, uh, the, uh, Sean, uh, Sean Payton. Payton, yeah, Sean Payton. You know, it's assumed that when he goes, he's going to have control, right? Because he's Sean Payton, he's going to have control. Byron Leftwich has got. Uber credential. He got the same credentials that Doug Peterson got. He got a Super Bowl ring. Where? He coached the, oh, yes, he coached yes. the Super Bowl offense. So, uh, you know, and played in the league and, and started in the league. He, you know, unlike Doug Peterson, he was he was a star. Doug Peterson held a clipboard. Mm. Byron Leftwich was a starter for, for Jackson, Jacksonville and was a decent player um, on, on, a, on a lousy team. And he played for the Steelers. So, I mean, yeah, but when he played for his, it was, it was, it was, it was a wrap when he went there. But I'm just saying, he, he was a decent player on 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 a lousy team. He certainly has done his his paid his dues. He's learned under a great offensive mind and Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians is saying, "Yo, this guy, you know, y'all need to hire." So I'm just saying, uh, yeah, okay, they got Brian, uh, uh, Doug Peterson, but if it was anybody else, and I think that's what Byron was feeling. He was feeling like, hey, wait a second, I'm Byron Leftwich. Y'all, y'all, y'all know my resume. I should be able to ask you to get somebody, like Mark said, other than Trent Balky, who's clearly not good at football. Yeah, but same, he, Balky's the one hiring, so you'd have to go back to uh, Shah Sh- Khan. That's, that's the... Shah Khan may be like the owner of... Uh, Oh my gosh, the uh, the horrible owner of the Kings, Sacramento Kings, where he's just a bad owner, so he hires bad people and make bad decisions. <laughs> Meanwhile, it's like, listen, and I, if I'm left, with, I was, if I'm left with, I stayed because nothing. thing, but think about left with. Arians went and got left with off the golf course. He, I mean, sorry, we're running over time. Went and going, he didn't want to do it. Left was like, I got plenty of money. I'm fine. I'm fine hitting these, you know, these golf. But he's like, no, man, you should be doing this. You're good at this. You, so got him off the golf course, convinced him to be a coach. So left with probably said, you know what? Why am I going to go to Jacksonville and deal with that piece of work when you figure Arians you can stay in Tampa and, yeah, and wait it out? Arians maybe another two years, and not like uh, uh, Leftwich is a seventy-year-old man. He's is he forty? <laughs> you know, he's he maybe he's, 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 yeah. he's probably he is younger than Brady, right? It's got to be. Yeah, it might be. So he's probably like you know I like it down here. I was, you know wait you know Arians go, he'll just grandfather me in, and I'll have my own team, my own situation with. Good ownership. That's another thing with uh, Tampa. Uh, those owners, the uh, the Glazers, or good ownership. You know, Jacksonville isn't. Well, you know, here's the deal, and I'll say this as as we close this episode: um, the NFL won't get right in terms of ownership until they have guys like a Mark Cuban down there exactly. uh, owning it. Great point, great point. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, great points. Very great. Great points. Oh my goodness. That's what they need. They need. They need some NBA type owners to be in in the in the league, and and certainly um, there are enough Magic Johnson ownership type groups that can certainly 
find a way or LeBron James can find a way or, or Clutch Sports can find a way to come up with the money to to be an ownership group. That's what they need to do because if this guy Ross is paying people to lose and if that fool out there in Cleveland is paying people to lose, they need to lose their franchise, period. So that means there's two franchises that should be available in the foreseeable future. It's coming up. Uh, if you guys have not subscribed to Power to the People, I don't know what you're waiting for. Um, today was uh, a great day because, again, we, we're tackling the issues that need to be tackled, uh, mental health um, and 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 sports. I don't know how the two go together. Maybe they go together. Maybe they make, they're made together. So you make sure you subscribe to Power to the People. Anywhere you get your podcast, you can find us. Uh, and if you can't find us and you got Alexa in the house, Ask Alexa to play Power to the People. Make sure you enunciate because sometimes she plays this podcast called Power to the People. It's horrible. But if you really enunciate say Power to the People, she will get you right here to us. Uh, or you can find us on social media. You can go to Facebook and just hit the action button and play the latest episode of Power to the People on Facebook. Or you can follow us on Twitter at Power to the Peeps, P-O-W-E-L-L, the number two, the letters D-A. P-E-E-P-S, Power to the Peeps on Twitter. You can find us all on Instagram. And you can find us next week when we come back and talk that stuff because this topic is not over. Believe me when I say it. Peace. 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 Peace.